Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again with our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. It's been an absolute pleasure doing this. Uh, I had no idea the amount of people that would be reaching out um, both uh, locally, nationally, internationally. Uh, I really have enjoyed the conversations connecting with me through psychology today, meeting with a lot of you guys. Um, it's, it's, it's really a privilege and an honor and uh, just try to impart is the years of um, education and, and clinical training uh, and, and practical clinical experience in, in doing this program. Um, I'm going to revisit borderline personality disorder today. And we're going to revisit it from a treatment perspective, and which I touched on, uh, I think, two episodes ago. And my wife, Julie, is with me. And even though she's a psychiatric prescriber, she has a very strong acumen and a very strong clinical therapy background. And uh, we kind of want to present two differing alternative treatment modalities um and this episode might be a bit controversial um i mentioned that when i did the introduction because i espouse to based on my training a very cognitive behavioral therapeutic modality in the treatment of psychiatric disorders um in the in the, in the past several weeks you know prior to the pandemic I was able. I'm. I'm grateful to be connected to um, individuals who do therapy who really know how to do therapy. They are absolutely. Um, they're they're awesome, and I, I I trust them implicitly, and they have provided amazing care to um, complex patients with a variety of disorders, borderline being one of them, uh, and across all different psychiatric disorders in the DSM-5. So I've, for the grace of God, I've been doing two to three neuropsych evals a day, uh, six days a week. And I've said this, I'm overly anal when it comes to testing because I do tons of testing. I, I am, I, by the, I, I'm doing 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 120 page evals, depending on the complexity. When you factor head injury in or, or, or organicity, they get more, a little more, bit more complicated. But even when you're dealing with just a differential diagnosis of uh, psych pathology, uh, by the time I sign the report, I am always 100% confident that I have confidence in the data in the behavioral observations, in the, you know, the, the artistic piece of diagnostics, as I've said, like reading body language and behavioral observations. Uh, but I, given the paucity of availability, in, you know, the, at least in the United States in terms of providers for not just medication, but for therapy. I used to be able to text my colleagues, hey, I'm sending you so-and-so for therapy, sending you so-and-so for meds, and they would text me back, I'm sending you so-and-so for a neuropsych eval, sending you so-and-so for a neuropsych eval. And it's probably, I think, from patients telling me, you know, like large organizations, it's, it's, it's like 2,000 middle 
to the latter half of 2022 to see a neuropsychologist. Uh, I try to get people in as a neuropsychologist as quickly as possible. So I've I, I, I've I, I've started to work with uh, get back into doing therapy. Uh, and, and the population that I have always enjoyed working with um, is borderline personality disorder because I've said this before, it is treatable. It, it, it is a work. Absolutely. Is it hard? Absolutely. Is it painful? Absolutely. Is it taxing? Absolutely. But is it treatable? Is it curable? 100%. Because I've seen it, and again, this is no accolades to myself as an individual, whether a doctor or clinician or practitioner, I have seen the efficacy of cognitive therapy in the treatment of borderline personality disorder. Now, there's a reason it's called cognitive behavioral therapy because it's not called cognitive behavioral emotional therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy takes emotions out of the equation. And I tell patients, and I, and I, and I preface this, I do not care how you feel. And I, I give a caveat. I respect how you feel. I do have empathy. I do care. I respect the pain. But emotions from a CBT perspective, cognitions or thoughts lead to behaviors and emotions are the byproduct of it. I will always redirect patients back to why did you, what were you thinking before you engaged or, 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 uh, enacted a specific behavior. Now, the goal in treating borderline, I mentioned this in the previous episode, is learning how to develop a voice. And when you develop that voice, it is going to be incredibly, incredibly difficult because you are now establishing boundaries. And back to my introduction on personality disorders, personalities crystallize between five and eight years of age. Scary to think about. United States, you have to be 18 to vote and you have to be 21 to drink. Uh, five and eight years old are pretty deformative years. And, you know, you don't develop borderline when you're when you're 16 or 17. It's, it's, not, it's not something that just pops up. It, it's developmental and it's usually based in an individual having what are called insecure and uh, insecure attachment issues. And again, the intense fear of real or imagined abandonment. Now, Julie, you know, as I, like I said, we, we've talked about how borderline is, is medicated like bipolarity, whether it's bipolar one, bipolar two, cyclothymic disorder. But um, Taking the emotions out of it, and, and, and I've said this, and I know my colleagues practice this, and I, and I have the utmost respect for them, but I, I, I do not agree with dialectical behavioral therapy because emotions are irrelevant. Yes, people are feeling pain, but it's changing the cognitions. It's changing the way you think is going to result in you changing the way you act. And as a result, it's going to change the way that you feel. Now, Julie's going to jump on in a second, and she's going to talk about the dialectical behavioral therapy model. And I've said this before, the one piece that I do agree with is the 24-hour access to your clinician when you're feeling suicidal, when you're feeling hopeless, when you're feeling like you want to engage in self-injurious behaviors. And that is, to be honest, that is something actually I, I really think is an amazing part 
of treatment. And I, you know, as I've gotten back into doing therapy, is is just a small part to triage the patients that I've seen and I've diagnosed. Um, again, yeah, you hear me say this every episode. You need a full neuropsych eval before you get therapy and meds. That's going to give you the accurate diagnosis and how your symptoms manifest idiosyncratic to you. So I've alluded to DBT, but I want, Jill and I were talking today, and I want to give her an opportunity to explain where DBT and how DBT, which is dialectical behavioral therapy, manifests. So Julie, your turn. So if we disagree, expect that. Oh, we're going to disagree. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, hi, uh, just uh, checking in about um, what it's like from a provider, uh, pres- prescriber uh, aspect of treating borderline personality. I I have to say, um, and I, all right, you need to fix the microphone. It's fine. Fix the microphone, I can't. All right, there you go. Um, <clears throat> Diagnostic clarity is profoundly important. It is. It, it makes all the difference in treatment. As a prescriber, um, as many of us prescribers, not myself included, but at times, we get patients who have a bevy of uh, disorders going on, uh, mental illness in terms of uh, mood disorder, uh, PTSD, generalized anxiety, um, Depression, depression, anxiety, all that. Panic. Yeah, um, a lot of it looks like by uh, borderline personality. Sometimes, I think to be perfectly blunt, if 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 someone has borderline personality and it's been definitively diagnosed, or even if it hasn't, that's almost worse. If you're going in for treatment, remember providers prescribers are chasing symptoms that yes we are diagnosing but everybody has a very long story to their lives um if we don't know it's borderline personality disorder what usually happens is that person with borderline personality will blow through the relationships in therapy in in uh, with prescribers because the medications don't work medications don't treat borderline personality disorder they can treat any kind of mood component to it. Um, if there's PTSD, yes, we can treat that with medication. Agitation. There's agitation is probably one of the most important things that in, in symptoms, um, that borderline personality, um, is, it, it's just, it, it's almost un, unmanageable. Are you talking um, more anger or irritability or just like generalized? Like psychomotor agitation. Um, I'm talking about um, the level of irritability, agitation, and rage in the presence of fear, because that's what's driving um, the borderline personality uh, is fear, fear of abandonment. Now, I get the whole CBT model. I really do. Um, But in my travels, we'll just call them my travels, um, I used to run, uh, not run inpatient units, but I worked on uh, partial day treatment centers, uh, on inpatient units as a therapist. And my primary, I, yes, I did a lot of DBT, obviously, because it works. 
But with the borderline patients, um, DBT was much more effective, in my opinion, um, largely because feelings are something that they know. It's something that they identify with. People with borderline personality disorder, of course, it's also on a continuum. I think Cora and I would disagree on that one because I think that people have tendencies. I think that people have kind of traits. I don't think everybody is full-blown. Yeah, and, and there are people that I diagnose with features of right. borderline personality because if they don't meet the full diagnostic criteria, but they can yeah. have features of it. Exactly. Um, so usually we're looking at like what we don't really totally focus on triggers because sometimes triggers are just the T word and you know they're either omnipresent, obvious, or not even present at all. Um, the thoughts, the thoughts that, that, that are going on for people who are experiencing, for example, real or abandoned and real or imagined abandonment, um, that person is not able to self-soothe. Um, that is what DBT is all about. It's all about taking the thoughts, identifying the feelings that follow, because the thoughts result in the feelings so you're describing you're describing cbt the thoughts and the feelings cause the behavior no they don't they don't okay well we disagree on that um but you know just saying that what dbt really does and i'm not going to get into the whole marshall linehan and all the the historical stuff you can look that up um and you can find this look up the james lang theory and the canon bard theory. They differ significantly in terms of how emotions are perceived and processed. So, like I said, this is going to be controversial, but not in a bad way. We're just presenting two different models in a treatment of a pretty severe disorder that can be treated. Right, and that's the whole point. The point is, is that people show up in providers' offices having personality disorders, like borderline personality disorder, not responding to meds because they don't work. Um, You know, benzos can help with the anxiety. Uh, There's a tremendous amount of anxiety involved with, again, all based on fear, all based on an emptiness, all based on, you know, right, right here, right now, I'm okay. DBT helps people with the distress tolerance skills um, emotional regulation and mindfulness and basically all derived is all derived around if that makes sense um, grounding techniques um, okay what's an example of a grounding technique um, it would be you know the senses that, that I, I said this before with anxiety disorders grounding when you're not it's like that baby in the crib that can't self soothe it's it's the equivalent and the suffering. So these people, when they're having these episodes where they're terrified and, and they, they feel hurt and they feel whether it's real or not, they are not feeling okay at all. And it's very important to help them develop a skill set that will help them regulate their emotions, um, change their thought processes from completely irrational to rational rational thought um there's the rational mind there's irrational mind the wise mind and um 
And if you want to, if you want to know the, there are seventeen irrational beliefs identified by James Leahy. Um, look them up. Catastrophizing, dichotomous thinking, black and white thinking, all or none thinking. Um, just you, look at just search for James Leahy irrational beliefs. And again, we I've said this before. We all use irrational beliefs because in order for us to sleep at night, we have to distort reality to make the pain of our lives go away. But where Julie and I disagree in the in the modalities of, of cognitive therapy and dialectical behavioral therapy is, is in CBT, emotions are irrelevant, absolutely irrelevant. Don't acknowledge them. It's what do you think? The emotions are the byproduct of it. And DBT gets so focused on your emotions but from a CBT perspective, which was developed prior to dialectic behavioral therapy, emotions are the byproduct of the thoughts and the behaviors. People get so focused on how do you feel. I don't even ask that question in therapy. It, it's irrelevant. I know you're. I know how you feel. I know you're sad. I know you're distressed. I know you feel abandoned. But the point is, why? Why is the penultimate question that needs to be figured out? Well, I think also what happens to providers, and I'm speaking as a provider um, from a therapy standpoint and a medication standpoint, is that relationship that you have with a, a patient, a client, it, they're, playing, they're playing their stuff out, okay? It's happening in the room. It's happening in the relationship. If you have a connection, um, which usually easily happens in the beginning of treatment, there is always a connection because there's usually been a burnout somewhere else. We'll talk about splitting. So, yeah. So, um, how do I say this? Um, I, you know, I, this is really just about education. You know, this isn't about a critique or any kind of judgment um, regarding anybody who struggles with borderline personality. Um, it's a very popular disorder because it's very dramatic disorder you know there are movies that have been made around this disorder and there is there's a lot of um, a lot of drama associated with it Um, people who really struggle with this um, you know they have that tug and pull I hate you don't leave me I hate you they have rage they will play their stuff out with you in the room that is why providers many times don't don't accept this disorder they see it on a piece of paper as a diagnosis and they roll their eyes and go oh my god because they don't know how to treat it and because you know it's just it's a draining it's a draining disorder if you're not treating it correctly i guess it it it, is it a drain disorder as a provider yes it is as a as a um, provider, it is... It's, from a medication perspective. If you have a person who has this and they have the insight and they've learned about it and they know that this is part of who they are, this is not who they are. I'm done with the I am my PTSD, my bipolar, my person, whatever. Um, if they happen to have this um, and they're, they're struggling with this in life, to know that they actually have it, number one. Number two, what to do about it. Um, and and, just and having insight that, into that. It's piggyback on what Julie it's said. It's treatable. It's something somebody has. It's not something you are. It's not are. who you are. And people sometimes gravitate towards that. And there's patients who will use that like, oh, I'm borderline. 
And that's why I do this. That that's that's and an bipolar. Ex- that's that's an excuse. Yeah. Well, well, bipolar is neurochemical. That's medication. Borderline. That's therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are, like I said, with borderline personality, there's very often trauma associated with it. There's all, all certainly a past where um, they've experienced um, some level of trauma, be it emotional, physical, combination, sexual, um, and a sense of actual loss yes and that's about perception in a part of themselves that has been fractured that they don't know how to heal it it, it that's really all it is it's and, a fracture and, 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 and as, as i've said yeah it's a fractured personality yeah. and and those those of you who've been following the podcast know that i'm a huge springsteen fan and his song uh growing up is there there's a great line he said I found the keys to the universe in the engine of an old parked car. A primary focal point of treatment of borderline personality is I found the keys to the universe in the engine of my parked car. I own the keys. Other people don't. The world doesn't. My parents don't. My spouse doesn't. My friends don't. And that's where you get into the perspective and the treat modality of drawing the boundaries. And, what, and, and, and that's where the voice, the voice is a powerful tool. And that is a, the, one of the, the primary focal points in the treatment of borderline is to, one, believe you have a voice, and two, to use it. And like Chicken Little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, to use your voice and realize that once you say it, chaos doesn't ensue. In reality, in your mind it may, but in reality it doesn't. And that is a huge part. And as Julie alluded to, but I think we both agree on what's called distress tolerance. You want to explain what that is? Well, it's usually we should, it's a lack of ability to tolerate stress. So distress tolerance, my gosh, I mean, everybody has levels of, you know, um, inability to, we all get stressed out. I mean, let's be real. But um, there's a fragility, I think, I is the best way to put it. It's a fragile, you feel like you're walking on eggshells on a tightrope when you're around people who are that fragile. And they're, they're low threshold for any kind tolerating any kind of distress meaning it could be anything it could be you look at somebody the wrong way it could be something you said but you didn't mean that but that the the distress tolerance is so low that the emotional dysregulation follows that so you're going to be getting someone who uh message message sent is not message received and then having a reaction of either rage total all based and in it fear. Be something so innocuous as you're on Instagram or Facebook or some somebody makes a, a simple post. You personalize it. You per, yeah, over, over you personalize it, and it gets yeah. over rehearsed and get it, it. It gets extrapolated like the telephone game. Like, yeah. like Julie said, message sent is not message received, but that message gets extrapolated into such extremes that it, it it's infused with an already fractured but personality. You, you said in the original program, when you talked about borderline personality disorder, about what that really means in terms of the pieces and the fragments and the how. It's not the 
anybody's broken. It's that how do you put the parts together yeah, again? And that, that's why it has a high success rate of treatment because the puzzle pieces are there. They're just not arranged in the right place. And why I, I, I've said this before is are, are there some people who could put a puzzle together in, you know, like a 500 piece puzzle together? Can they put it together in an hour? Yeah, I'm sure there's somebody out there. But can you put the pieces together in an individual with borderline personality in in six weeks? No. In in a year? No. Two, three, four years? Yeah. And, and the beauty of it is that's the root system. That is what you treat. And people focus so much on the depression and the anxiety and, and, and the, 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 the panic and the PTSD. This is a, a disorder that you have to know how to treat, and it is curable. It is curable. Is schizophrenia curable? No. Is it manageable? Yes. But but borderline personality is is again as a diagnostician, it it's overlooked so many times. Yeah, and as a provider, it is um, misunderstood. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I'm, you know, in, in, you know, I, I work, you know, a regular job where it's in, in managed care and not everybody has the, the, you know, the benefit of having a full neuropsych eval because it's managed care, um, dealing with Medicare, Medicaid, um, you know, all kinds of insurances, but a different population. Um, so essentially, you know, as a provider, if I really, really know somebody, um, or I, I can, I can call them out. I can say, listen, this is not the meds. Okay. I've medicated you. This is a, per this is the personality stuff. The hardest part is that, you know, it's very difficult to tell someone that they have borderline personality disorder. It has a negative connotation to it. It does in society and it does in, 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 in healthcare. Um, when they, when people see that even providers, and that's just the honest truth, you know, you're looking at like, oh dear, you know, none of the meds are going to work, you know, they're, you know, they're going to be difficult. But I think, you know, also as a provider, and I do have some, some, um, you know, no, you have a, savviness you, you, in the you field. Have a strong background in well, treating yeah, this. But, but, you know, I'm, I, I'm also pretty humble about it but the, at the same time it's a vibe you feel it if you're in the presence of someone who has is struggling and suffering with this um disorder it and i hate that word but it's i'm just using it because i just can't pull anything out uh, else out of the air right now but when you're when you're sitting with them you feel it you feel it so intensely if you watch a uh, girl interrupted winona Ryder, perfect example if you watch her interact with her therapist and others, um, it's a very interesting. It, it's 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 a definitely you can feel the energy. But as I've said, there's a hundred and twenty different combinations of how that disorder manifests. Right. And the pain the person is in so is so tangible. 
uh, I could feel it as I've started to go back into therapy again, like I said, during the pandemic, there's such a, a paucity of providers because everybody is struggling with a variety of issues. Uh, I can feel it in myself. I, I can feel the, the individual's pain. I, I, I don't deny it. I, I don't, I don't ignore the feelings, but I, from a CBT perspective, I'm constantly going back to the thoughts. And that's where Julie and I differ from a dialectical behavioral perspective. It's on the emotions. And I don't focus on emotions because it's pretty obvious you're in pain. Why do I need to ask you how you're feeling? I can sense you're in pain. But when you're treating it, 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 I think it helps because Julie and I are in the same field. Um, or I mean, from, from this relatively, you know, she does meds, I do diagnostics, but it, it, it's very helpful that, you know, and I think a lot of therapists and we, we do something called psych night, um, where we have a lot of our, our, our wonderful colleagues. Uh, I, I cook dinner, our colleagues come over, we, we talk and we, we share a lot of the same patients, but, but it's our way of decompressing, not necessarily talking about individual patients, just talking about, uh, this stuff affects us. You know, whether it's borderline, whether it's depression, whether it's PTSD, there's nothing somebody could tell me. And again, I'm not that old, but there's somebody, there's nothing somebody could tell me that would make me be like, oh my God, I never heard that before. It, 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 it does weigh on us. Uh, and, and I know for myself, I know for, for Julie, and I know from our colleagues, we take our jobs very seriously. Most of my therapy sessions, I run way over an hour. Because I, I'm I'm with the person until I feel like they're in a good enough space that I can take the next person on. And, and it's a disorder that I enjoy treating. And the reason I think I, I revisited this again and probably will continue to revisit this on the podcast is because the, the majority of calls I've got, the majority of emails I've talked to people, um, again, I, I, I am not a, a IT person by any means. That, that wasn't part of my doctoral training, but... But, you know, looking at like analytics from our, our podcast, uh, Borderlines is the one that gets, I think, the most tread. Uh, most tread, the most attention. And I think um, I don't have it's my... It's fascinating. It's yeah, just fascinating. It's, it's a fascinating disorder, but it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing to see the people who do the work yeah, and how their better. lives transform mm-hmm. and, and their depression goes away, their anxiety goes away they develop their voice their 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 interpersonal relationships become healthier mm-hmm. it's i want to instill a sense always instill a sense of hope mm-hmm. but you know what i tell patients i'm not going to work harder than you and i think julie agrees and has said the same thing but i will be with you every step of the way but does does this type of pathology weigh on a provider absolutely it, it, it does. Well, and I also think, too, you know, I would if, if you think that you, you have the symptoms of borderline personality. Or you know somebody or that you has. know somebody. Look at, I, I would just say quickly, Psychology Today is a great resource. Um, people self-promote themselves on Psychology Today because they advertise for themselves. They, have, they develop their own profile if they don't have somebody else do it for them. You want to look for somebody who's very specifically focused on borderline personality specifically and Cora would probably disagree with me 
dialectical behavior therapy and and formally no, trained. No, cognitive behavioral therapy. And also cognitive behavioral therapy. You can't do both. But you have to be formally trained in DBT. It, it, it is an ordeal. It's not something that you can just slap on your resume and say you do it. Um, I did it, but I did not get formally trained in DBT. I learned the skills while I was working at McLean, and McLean's a very well-known hospital, so they trained me well. Which is Harvard's psychiatric hospital. But beside all that, um, I think what I was trying to say is if you have a provider and they and, and you're, you're, you're meeting with them and they push your buttons, you don't have to fire them right away because that's what happens a lot. The, 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 the stress tolerance, the, the discomfort is so intolerable that you leave, right? You leave. Um, and, you know, I would shop around, try to find people who invite treating this and interview your therapist i always encourage people interview your provider your provider like what what are your specialties you know what's your what's your training what's your knowledge base but you know i just wanted this episode to kind of just share two differentiating perspectives on the treatment of borderline personality disorder um i again i i Love doing this program. I I am, and I, I know Julie would say the same thing. Uh, we are perpetual students. We 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 try to learn as much as we can. Uh, we stay as current as we can with with the research, with the data. Uh, I learn a lot from my, my the individual patients I work from. I appreciate the stories. I I take for the grace of God. My job is I never feel like I I am working. Um, but it, it is a disorder that is treatable and curable where you can look back and say, you know what, I overcame that. And that's a huge, huge piece of success. And that, that has nothing to do with me if I'm treating you. That all has to do with you as a person and the work you put in. I'm just your companion and guide. That's right. it. So don't lose hope. Don't so, lose hope. As always, continue to reach out to me on Psychology Today. Uh, you can email me at um, psychologyunpluggedoutlook.com. Uh, this is the first time I'll do this because people have asked. My, my direct cell phone number is 617-750-9411. Uh, we're in Massachusetts on Eastern Standard Time. Uh, until next week, be well. Look inside, look at yourselves, look at the people around you, have hope. Whatever you're dealing with, have hope. Everything is, is treatable. And you were born good. You were brought into this world a good person. And that's all I want to say. There's that. no such thing, I think, as, as bad people. There's people who do bad things. And pain... We all experience it. And when you're talking about borderline, the, the, the pain is real. And I think Julie and I, you know, she stepped away. We both appreciate it. But um, reach out. We just are a source of information independent of where you live. Uh, whatever we can do to help, uh, that that's our goal. Um and again, thank you for all of your feedbacks and, and, and comments. It, it, it's really inspiring. And um, again, just to reiterate what Julie says, have hope. 
it takes work. But the amount of work you put in and how fast and how hard you work will get you to where you want to go. Till next week, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, be well. All right, happy Father's Day.